You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and we answer your questions about everything related to trucks, trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, financial planning, retirement accounts, getting started as an owner operator, finding freight, using load boards, working with brokers, you name it. We'll talk about it here on this show. And, uh, you know, I think we're just going to get right to the phone calls tonight. Let's get started in Amarillo. Richard, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, um, I thought I heard you mention uh, to another driver a couple uh, shows ago about um, the axle tubes, and I only caught the tail end of that conversation uh, because I had called in late. And uh, I don't know if you just mentioned something about get somewhere, getting the, the axle tubes from somewhere. And also got a voltage question. I just want to ask you. And, and I, I'm, I'm assuming you was referring to the lift axle tube. Uh, someone, maybe someone wanting to do it themselves without having to buy the kit or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't remember what I was talking about. You know, we, we've worked with uh, Roe truck equipment for years now on lift axles they build all the components we've installed a bunch of them but they also install the lift axle we've sent a lot of people there everybody's happy with them they're not one of our official partner companies uh i should probably go visit them someday and think about doing that but we've sent a lot of work there everybody's been happy and they've they also built a lot of parts for us that we've installed so i'm not really sure what i might have been talking about Okay. Uh, on the voltage question, on my my, my on my voltmeter, uh, from twelve to probably fifteen is is green, and from fifteen to sixteen is red. My needle is is staying right there in that fifteen to sixteen, right in the middle of that red spot all the time. Every once in a while, it'll drop down to in between fourteen and and fifteen. So is am I is there a problem that I need to be uh, thinking about getting checked on that? Or yes, there is. Normal, no, it's not normal. As a matter of fact, my guess is if you get out after you've been running and that meter's up in the 15 range, you get out, your batteries will be very warm to the touch, and you might even mm-hmm. be able to hear them boiling. At, at 15 yeah. volts, you will boil the, the uh, battery. Does that mean that there's a a cell problem in the batteries? Uh, It it could be a battery problem, but more than likely, it's an alternator problem. The alternator's overcharging. Now, ideally, if we're watching this digitally, ideally, we want to charge between 13.8 and 14.2. That is the ideal range. That's the best range for the battery. Anything lower than that, you, you won't get a full charge. Anything more than that, and you will eventually overcharge. Now, you're, if you're at 14.3 or 14.4, yeah, eventually it would take a little life off the engine, but no big deal. Same as if you're at 13.6 instead of 13.8. You're not going to notice any difference. It would take a little bit of life off the battery, but not a big deal. But when you start getting up into that 15 range, 
you're literally just going to boil the batteries and they won't last long at all. You could go through batteries in uh, weeks like this. Uh, uh, on, my, uh, on my scan gauge, I'm idling at 600. It's reading between 14.5 and uh, 15. That, that's, that's pretty high. And like I say, the uh, double check, go down, look at your batteries, feel your batteries. If they're getting warm, you're doing damage to them and they're not going to last long charging at 15 volts. Okay. And that will pretty much be an alternator problem. Uh, usually. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off, uh, to Nashville. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, thanks for taking my call. I was wondering if you'd heard about any problems uh, rising from the uh, fuel economy standards for Class A trucks in 2014. Uh, Well, I don't know if I've really heard any problems. I think it's a major problem. Uh, I wish the government would just get out of this and let the free market do it. But not much chance of that. These, These laws are already in effect. The manufacturers are already scrambling to try to meet them. Some of the problems that we're going to see, we're already seeing. Um, I think everybody knows I'm not a big fan of classic trucks, but I think they should exist. And I think it's nice if you want one that you can go buy one. That's going to end. The The manufacturers have said, we can't keep the classics in our lineup. We won't be able to meet the fuel mileage standards. So those trucks are going to go away. I think that's sad. I don't want to own one, but... I, I just think that it's sad that the government has forced the OEMs uh, to drop something that people actually like to buy and own. And, and I think they should have that choice. That's one problem. We're going to see trucks start to get lighter so that they can meet these standards. And that may sound like a good thing, um, but it's really not. It's going to cause maintenance problems down the road. So they're going to lighten things up more, uh, they are they're just this always leads to to unintended consequences. I would much rather leave this up to the free market. The companies that don't care about fuel economy or don't want to put any time into it. Fine. That's their choice. Companies who do want to put time into fuel mileage, they'll get the benefits. Instead, we're going to screw up the whole system by forcing the OEMs to, to try to figure out how to get better fuel mileage on trucks. I don't even know how they set the standard. I mean, how do you say that this particular model of truck has to achieve seven miles to the gallon? Well, seven miles to the gallon under what conditions? You know, it's not like a car. When you try to do fuel mileage on a car, it's basically the same all the time. But a truck, the weight changes, the aerodynamics change based on the loads, the the geographical area, the cart, the truck's going to be in changes every day. How do you even come up with a standard? I just think the whole thing is ludicrous. I was personally worried about what would happen to the heavy haul guys with trucks that aren't durable. Well, that that's my fear with the lighter weight. As they start to produce trucks, I, you know, I, I've I've often criticized Western Star for not producing an aerodynamic truck. Well, here they are producing an aerodynamic truck because the government forced them to. And I I wish it were just the other way. I wish I could still complain that they don't make one. I'd much rather have that than have them be forced by the government to do it. Mm -hmm. I'd agree with you on that. 
So I, I think you're right. I think it is going to be much more difficult to find a really durable heavy haul truck as we get into this because they're going to lighten these things up. Well, I also see a problem maybe in the future. You know, government likes to stick their nose in everything, wait until they put an age limit on trucks, period. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't even want to think about that yet. It may or may not happen. I don't know. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but it, it could eventually happen. The thing is, right now, the reason you won't see the federal government do anything like what CARB did is because it would literally shut down the industry. It's not feasible right now to expect that everybody in the country could upgrade trucks. Let's see. Let's head off to West Virginia. Roland, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind today? Got an alignment problem. Uh, right front steer tire's been on there over two, uh, close to two years, wearing very even. Uh, left front driver's side showing uh, feathered wear. If you put, slide your hand on it, uh, the sharp edges to the outside, it's worn more so on the inside, and it'll, the second ribbon also has river. Two years, I, uh, you, you've got to be somewhere around 200,000 miles on these tires, right? Uh, it showed up. The, the, the right front steer with the very even wear has got about 150. Okay. Huh. I lost the track of this because I hit something. Okay. Ironically, uh, I hit it with the right. I hit it with the right front, and that side. That side's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, alignment is—is is it possible for towing to show up only on one side? Well, what happens is you get a combination of the toe being off and the thrust angle on a drive axle being off. So that's how we get different side to side wear or that's how sometimes the the feathering will feel rough going in other times it'll feel rough going out and i i'm trying to remember feathered wear out i think means toe out feathered wear in i think means toe in i do, I have to go back and reread that again but i think that's the way it works we can even tell by which way which direction the feathering is in which way it's off but when it's one tire it's usually a combination of toe and thrust angle on the drive. Uh, that's why empty right. alignment is so good at correcting this. Uh, I, I think it probably is uh, an alignment issue. And I think if you get it taken care of, um, and then you're going to have to, if that river wears already there, you're going to have to replace that tire. Stick around. We'll be right back. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. Kevin Rutherford. Don't go away.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's head off to Alabama this time. Ralph, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Uh, got a question on rolling resistance. I hear you talk all the time about uh, if you lower your rolling resistance 10, 10 points, you gain one-tenth of a mile per gallon. Okay. Yes. Do you need to change eight? full tires do you need to change all 10 tires or all 16 tires how many tires do you need to change to gain that one tenth per mile uh technically it could just be one that that's probably not going to happen but this is a good question and i haven't clarified this before but the way we would do this is we would look at the overall rolling resistance of the whole vehicle and that's just an average, that's just taking an average of, you know, all of them is the way they do it. And the, the Michelin calculator will show this for you. But let's say, you know, we've got uh, drive tires that are 100. We've got steer tires that are 110. And we've got trailer tires that are 90. We would end up roughly with the overall rolling resistance right around a hundred. That would be the average. We had ninety, one ten, a hundred. A hundred would end up being the average. So now what we need to do is lower that overall score by ten points. Well, that might mean that we would, if we could lower our drive tires by ten points, that might be enough to shift the overall average. So no, you don't have to change all the tires. We just have to change enough tires to lower the overall by 10 points. Okay. Well, that, that answered my question. Thank you. Uh, I'm a company driver. I really enjoy the show. And, and by the way, congratulations, Grandpa. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you know what? And that is a like a lot of things. It's a rule of thumb. It's, it's not set in stone. But it's pretty close and it's pretty accurate, and we've measured it many times. At 10 points in rolling resistance for the overall truck equates to about a tenth of a mile per gallon. Let's go to Texas. Daryl, welcome to the program. Oop, let me try that again. Daryl, it's your turn. Yeah, thank you. I've really learned a lot from your show. My company wants me to uh, value my truck for uh, insurance reasons, and I don't want to overvalue it, but I don't want to undervalue it either. Uh, okay. Have, so are you are you looking for a way to figure out how much you should value it at? Yeah, I have a 2002 Freightliner with uh, uh, 1275000 on it, but I've got a couple hundred thousand on the engine then it's really doing good for me got it and i'm hoping to drive it another three four hundred thousand miles you know good so and this is a good topic that way this is a good topic we haven't talked about this in a while and this is a, a screwy thing when it comes to insurance if you were to call up the insurance company will let you put just about any value you want on the truck so you could call up and say I want to insure my truck for $50,000 and they'll give you a premium that reflects that. But then if you, if, if the truck gets stolen tomorrow, even though you had it insured for 50,000, that's not what they're going to pay you. This is the stupidest system I've ever seen. They're only going to give you what they consider to be the, the book value of the truck. And they have their methods of calculating what that is. 
So we don't want to overpay for our insurance because we can't collect on it. Now, there are insurance companies that will allow you to put a value on it and you'll pay for that value and then they would that would be the replacement value. That's pretty rare, but you can find it. So what I've always recommended to people is that probably twice a year you should go back in and revalue your truck because here's what happens. You go buy a brand new truck, $130,000, and you call your insurance company and they say, how much did you pay for it? And they, you say $130,000. So they say, okay, here's your premium. And your premium is based on that dollar amount. Well, five years from now, that truck isn't worth 130000 It's probably not even worth 30000 anymore, except you're still paying premiums for a $130,000 truck. And they're not going to give you that much, not even close. So it, it actually pays to, to put it on your calendar, call your insurance company every six months and revalue your insurance. Here's the way I like to do it. I like to call my insurance company and say, if, I, if my truck gets stolen today or it gets totaled or burns down in a fire, how much are you going to give me? And they can tell you because they have their formulas and whatever that number is, that's what I'm going to put the value on right now. Six months from now, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, I'm getting insurance through the lease company. You know, I mean, through uh, the company I've leased to. Well, you can still call and, them. Uh, And the other thing you could do okay. is you could go out and shop insurance. I mean, you don't have to take their insurance. No. Yeah, I, uh, I guess I was talking to them about $15,000. That seemed like that might be a fairly close estimate. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's probably pretty close. There's a couple other, if you don't want to call, I think the best way is to call the insurance company and say, what would you pay me if, if something happens to my truck right uh -huh. now? That gets us as close as we could possibly get. If you don't want to do that uh -huh. for some reason, you could go look on truckpaper.com and come up with a, an average price to replace your truck and then use that as the as the way to go. Either way would work just fine. Let's go to uh, Alabama. Caleb, welcome to the program. How's it going, Kevin? Going good. What can I help you with today? Um, basically, I, I have a goal of owning a truck by the end of next year. And I was wondering if there were any, you know, reference material, uh, basically any information that you have towards meeting that goal either by that date or even a, or I, at a faster rate i do uh have you heard me talk about the program that i created for getting started the uh the audio book you have yeah yeah i've heard about it i've kind of been slacking on getting into it that that's the best resource available Really, I mean, I, I everything I could think of to put into a book about how to get started is in that program. Uh, it's audio, so you can listen to it while you're driving. There's video, so you can watch some some uh, stuff from live seminars that I do. There's the workbook. The, everything is in there. I mean, I, I couldn't think of another resource to give you 
that will will do everything you need. It'll point you in all the right directions for all the other stuff you're going to need. And it's a step-by-step program. There's even a section that will help you determine what the right timeline is. Like I, I have you go through some worksheets okay. and answer some questions. And then I actually score you and say, you you should your timeline should be 18 months or it should be six months or it should be 12 months and here are the things you should be doing to get ready over that time all right all right that sounds very helpful um basically after telling me that i'm I'm going to get that book as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really go get it. And then I'll give you another one to uh, get just because it's inexpensive and it will add to it. And the book is called Partners in Business. So if you do a Google search for Partners in Business, it'll come up. And you can buy that book. I believe it's under $20. And it's a nice addition uh, to my program. It's got some other things in there. For the price, you can't beat it. Uh, I originally wrote the book Partners in Business back in the 90s, and we update it every year. I'm not really a part of the book anymore just because I don't have time. Uh, The writers at Overdrive and ATBS do the update every year, but I've checked it. They do a fantastic job on keeping it updated, and I'm still the one that gives the seminar every year uh, for Partners in Business. So a couple of great books. My program is called Stop Holding the Steering Wheel and Start Driving Your Business. It's less than $250. And it is everything you need to get started. Even if you don't know for sure whether you want to be an owner-operator, this program is for you. It will help you make that decision. And I've had lots of people call me and say, Kevin, I read the book. I I really don't think this is for me. I I don't want to be an owner-operator. There's more to it than what I thought. And I'm really not ready to do that. You couldn't have spent a better $250 to figure that out. So if you're interested, if you're in the market, if you're even slightly thinking about the possibility that you might be interested in being an owner-operator someday, you need to get this program. Grab something to write with. I'll tell you how you get it. You can go to the website. And you can order it directly yourself. That's letstruck.com slash store. Or you can give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. You order it today, we'll ship it out today. You'll have it in no time. And then use this program as well and all of our new podcasts to gain information. That's a great resource. We'll be right back. Don't go away. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. That phone number again for us here at Let's Truck. If you need anything from us, the team is always standing by ready to help. That's what we're here for. So if you need anything from us, give us a call. It's 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. Let's get to... uh, Let's get to New Mexico. Les, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. All right. I go home tomorrow, go through the house. I get to pick up your program, and, and so I'll be able to listen to it all next week and work through it. I'm happy about that. Good, good. Um, my, my ultimate goal is to own my own, my own trucking company so I can control my life. And right now, there's kind of three options I have to make that dream come true. I could do it the... Do it yourself by the bootstrap method, where I save it up, buy the buy the uh, used equipment, and probably do that third quarter of 15 or first quarter of 16. Or I have a uh, contractor for uh, one of the two uh, leasing lease uh, operators that you let you like said that I could come to work with him in February, work for him for two years, and he'd sign the truck over to me. The third option is I have a nephew who uh, has some, uh, he's like a junior Gordon Gecko, and he wants to put together some investors with, get some of his friends to invest, buy, buy the equipment, and uh, start and basically finance my trucking company that way. He's also a broker, so he's so he'd have some skin in the game too. Okay. What's your opinion? Uh, okay. So I think I'm leaning towards one and three. Let's eliminate two for now. Okay. I, I don't think two is a great option. Um, the the problem with two is that there's just too many things can that could go wrong over the next two years that are out of your control. Um. Uh, and, and that, that to me, that's just too much of a risk. You have better options. Um, the first option is the one that gives you the most control because you're doing it all right. yourself. Yeah, it's going to take you a little bit longer, but your timeline's not too bad. So I, I'm leaning towards number one right now. But number three might not be a bad option. The, the reason it's hard for me to answer number three is I would have to see the details. You know, what? How would? how is he going to structure this? And how much, how much control, if any, are we giving up? And how much profit are we? We obviously have to give up profit. We're going to have to pay them back with interest. Right. Or do they want ownership? Do they want profit? You know, ongoing. I, I there's a a million ways we could structure that deal, and I wouldn't be able to comment on it unless I could see the details and how it was structured. So for now, I'm leaning towards okay. one because we have all the answers. You know exactly what you need to do for number one. You know what the result would be when you were done, and and nobody else is involved. So that minimizes the risk. It maximizes the profit. Just means it's going to take us a little longer to get started. I'm okay with that. Number three, possibly, but I, I would have to see all the details. Yeah, we got to figure out the details first. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh- I really like what you're doing with the network, with the podcast. I listen to three of the four podcasts every week, and I listen to you on during the weekdays. So thanks a lot. You're welcome. And, and we're excited. I, the network, 
I'm so excited about the network. We have great hosts, by the way, and that is not an easy job. Let me take just a minute and, and you know, give some kudos to those guys. Uh, Rico Muhammad doing uh, Rates and Lanes. Chad Boblett doing Brokers and Beyond. Kenny Long doing Trucking with Authority. Those three guys are doing an amazing job. Not only are they putting out really good information, but technically they've been better than I was when I started. I can tell you that. Uh, they're doing a good job, and we're excited about expanding that. There's so much information that we could be helping people with, and we have lots of shows coming down the pipeline. Uh, we are just going to continue to build out this network of good trucking and business uh, knowledge. Yeah, I've also been looking around, kind of interesting. I, I figured since I had this network, I should go check out all the other trucking podcasts, which I do occasionally anyway, and see if any of them would be worth adding to our network. You know, if I can find a good show, I'll go approach the host and, you know, say, would you like to be a part of our network? And here's the benefits. And the problem is I've been listening to a lot of trucking podcasts. God, I hate to be so critical, but they are horrendous absolutely horrendous. I mean, I feel like gouging out my eardrums sometimes when I'm trying to listen to this garbage. So I'll keep looking, but honestly, most of the stuff that's out there is just not for me. Uh, so uh, if you know of any really good trucking podcast, by all means, um, let me know. Um, we've also got, like I say, we've got those three shows. We've got a track record on, um, we've been running those for a couple months now. We've got some new shows. I'm getting ready to launch mine. Uh, in fact, this week, uh, Friday, 1 PM Eastern time, I will be doing my new podcast called road scholar. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Road scholar is a really, it's an audio book club. So I'm going to recommend a book. We're going to read it. We'll give you a couple weeks ahead of time. And then we'll bring in the author and do an interview and you can ask questions. So um, that one's coming. Uh, Kim, who is a member of our Let's Truck team, is doing her podcast. She's got two episodes under her belt right now. So she's our newest. And Kim's is all about health and fitness. Really great information. Uh, I, I'm excited about this podcast because this really is important. You know, health and fitness is something that I've talked about on and off over the years, and I'm very interested in, but I've always kind of hesitated to get too involved with it. And the reason was I, I didn't want to lose my focus. My focus is the business side, the equipment side. And as much as I wanted to do a show like that, I, I didn't want to lose my focus and get too scattered. Kim solved that problem because Kim is the perfect host for this. Uh, so check out all of the new podcast and our new network and stay tuned because we've got lots of new stuff coming. Let's, uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Dallas. Raul, welcome to the program. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, long time listener, first time caller. What can I help you with today? Hey, I got a question about oil. Um, I'm running the OPS. Uh, I've got about 140,000 miles on the oil. Uh, everything's looking good. Um, now, when it's time to change my oil, I was looking at the full synthetic. I believe it's the 540. Is that right? Yes. Yep. 
Um, okay, so don't I want to run running temperatures lower? So wouldn't I want to run the 1030 or the 540? Uh, the, you'll get the best fuel economy with the 1030. It, 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 but okay. that's, that's a fairly new oil. So it, and I have been talking about it for about a year now. Um, a lot of the 1030s are blends. There are a couple full synthetic 1030s. So again, just as a reminder, the, the first number tells us the oil's viscosity at cold temperatures. So that, that first number helps us to, to decide if the oil would be good in a really cold climate. So our traditional oils are 1540. Our conventional oils are 15. That's the viscosity at cold temperature. So a 10 right. is a lower viscosity. That means it will start even better in cold weather. A 5 is really light when it's cold. There are even some zero-weight oils, 0, zero W40s, 0 W30s. Those are really extreme cold-weather oils. The second number tells us the viscosity at operating temperature. So our, our two right. typical are either 40 weight or 30 weight. 30 weight being a lighter oil will give even better fuel economy. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and stick to that 1030. Um, I've been, I'm on uh, fuel gauges. Uh, my daddy day average is 10.3. Uh, wow. I've run light, come back empty. Uh, just, it's amazing, you know, your fuel gauges, it's... Uh, Everybody should get on it, you know. Uh, I agree. I can't believe my numbers that are that good. I, I agree. I'm a little biased, but I think everybody should be on it. It is by far the best fuel mileage tracking program for trucks on the planet, no question. Uh, congratulations, Raul. Great job on, on what you're doing. Keep it up. Those numbers are wonderful. I'm looking at the clock. I'm going to take us into a break here. When we get back, we'll get to more of your stuff. So don't go away. Do check out the website. It's letstruck.com. And do call us if you need anything at all. The Let's Truck team is here to help. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. We're just blowing through this hour tonight. So I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's head off to Pennsylvania. Slavko, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I was uh, talking to uh, a lovely lady there and uh, I told her about my oil samples. 
can I take a look at it? All right, let's see what we've got here. Uh, tell me a little bit about this truck. What year? It's an 07 uh, Columbia. It's got a C15 uh, cat. Uh, currently driving, it's got 1,330,000 uh, kilometers on it. I'm running synthetic oil. My average weights are... Uh, probably about twenty thousand. Sometimes they got twenty thousand on there. Sometimes they got twenty five hundred. You know, somewhere around there. Got it. Okay. So, how many miles are on the oil that's in here right now? On the oil itself, I um, I don't know. I left it on that sheet there when I filled out the form there. Okay. It looks but like I probably got about somewhere around uh, thirty thousand kilometers on it. Okay. About twenty thousand miles. Got it. Okay, so really clean sample. Um, what? Wait a minute. Let me make sure I'm. You you've got twenty thousand miles on this oil. No, no, that's on since the last time I changed it. The oil is going to be a year. Uh, okay. Year next month. That makes more sense. It looks like there's probably like a hundred and fifty thousand miles or so on the oil itself. Yeah, that about. Okay, then that makes it a really clean sample. Um, no fuel dilution at all. Soot is only at 0.3, which is outstanding. Uh, viscosity. Are you using any Lucas? No. Your viscosity is running really high for a full synthetic, and I can't figure out why. You're at 15.7. That, that synthetic should be down in the 12 range. But they're also not flagging it, which seems a little odd. Um, because you do clearly put on there that you've got Rotella T6. Huh. The one thing that I, put, uh, that I put into the thing, maybe because I had a, uh, a power steering leak um, on it. They took a gasket off of that, so I topped up with maybe about three gallons of oil. So maybe would that uh, cause the viscosity to be up a little bit? Oh, yeah, that could do it. So that that's good. Um, you know, it, it's weird. It's been showing oxidation uh, almost forever, but it's not really getting any worse. You, you've probably got a pretty decent amount of blow-by. How often do you have to add a gallon? Uh, but right now I changed this power steering pump, so I'm thinking that uh, what I do is I wait till it gets right down to the ad. So I'm, I'm going to say I put in about uh, probably about 15,000. I'll put in a gallon. It doesn't use much. I'm going to attribute the rest of it to the power steering link. Okay. Yeah, then then everything looks really good. I mean, there's, there's no uh, coolant. There's the wear metals are next to nothing. Uh, silicon's nice and low. This is just a really clean sample. You keep doing what you're doing. The one thing that I was going to ask you about is that the oxidization went up and then it went down again. Would that be uh, due to, say, a weather change? You know, oxidation is just a kind of a tricky thing. Um, oxidation alone, we just don't worry too much about. Uh, it could be the oxidation causing the viscosity to go up a little bit, but uh, nothing really to be concerned about. So, yeah, the oxidation is, it, it looks like it's high, but it's just kind of hanging out there. So I wouldn't worry about it. 
Let's go to South Dakota. Jeff, welcome to the program. Yeah, Kevin, I kind of had a wild idea here. If a guy had a gearbox between the transmission and your first rear end, if you, you know, if you sometimes it'd be nice I'm driving the field to have a deep reduction, you know, and then if you ever have a tailwind, you could run in direct and maybe gain some fuel mileage. Maybe it'd take more horsepower than you ever gain out of something like that. I don't know. You know what we used to recommend for a while, not very often, but I, I've recommended it occasionally in some some uh, extreme operations where they would spend a lot of time off-road, but then they also had plenty of time on highway. And in that case, we were recommending two-speed rear ends. So you, you can actually have a rear end that has two different gear ratios. I guess, yeah, I never not, thought about Not that, very common, but it, and not very useful in most operations, but I have helped people that they did about 50%. I mean, they spent considerable amount of time off-road where you needed a nice deep reduction, but then they spent about 50% of the time on the highway where that if they had that deep reduction only, it was killing their fuel economy. I mean, like in the fours, it was so bad. And by going to a two-speed rear end, we were able to get them, you know, they're going to do four or so when they're off-road. Not much you can do about that. But we had them up into the six-and-a-half-seven range when they were on highway. Okay. Well, maybe I'm not hurting my motor as bad as I am. I got a Cat 6NZ. I put her in low gear and on idle going through a soft field and, you know, we'll pull it. But you're at idle and they're yelling, slow down, slow down. It's just going pipe as you're going. So, <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you know, too hard on that motor. Yeah. It it you know, I I've I haven't done one in a while. It's actually been a couple of years since somebody asked me about a setup like that. So I don't have any of my numbers in front of me, but uh it, like I say it's pretty unusual. We haven't done many. We've been able to do just as well by going with uh, the direct drive gears. That, that's not going to help you. We need to get a deeper reduction for you. Um, you know, there are a couple transmissions with a nice low first gear, but I just don't know if it's worth all the money to change it unless this is really causing a problem, and it doesn't seem to be. Let's uh, let's go to North Carolina. Bailey, welcome to the program. Um, hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Good to talk to you again. What can I help you with? Um, what I'm call yeah, what I'm calling about today is uh, uh, recently um, uh, I've been driving for a little, almost three years now. This will be my this coming up will be my third tax return as a uh, uh, as a driver. I'm a company driver, so I get a W two. Um, you know, due to some, uh, I'm I'm having to move down to Georgia. My folks are there; they're getting older, so I'm looking for a place down there. I was talking to a mortgage broker when I when I sent them my um, my uh, tax returns. And because I, um, my company doesn't pay me per diem, so I, I've, I've been deducting that uh, or, or, you know, using that uh, uh, claiming per diem on um, my tax returns at the end of the year. The mortgage broker is uh, is stating that even though that's you know that's used for food and and the you know away from home expenses. Uh, but, you know, and even though they wouldn't, they've been using my entire, you know, I was out 300 days um, 
uh, for 2013. Uh, it's going to be about that for this year. And they're, they're, they're wanting to actually remove from my gross income, you know, the $59 a day. Have you ever it's, heard of anyone doing that? It's very, very common. In fact, it happens virtually every time you go to get a mortgage. And this is a downside to the per diem. But we were, there was a time when we were pretty actively involved with our clients when we were doing taxes and accounting full time. And I went out and found a couple mortgage brokers that would, you know, we educated them on what the per diem was, how common it is in the trucking industry, and that it really is a part of your income and should be considered for a mortgage. And we had a couple mortgage brokers who would do that. They understood it. They would, they would not take the per diem out. They would leave it in. Um, so you can try that. I mean, you can call some brokers. You can try to explain to them and, and get that put back in because it's not a law. It's not set in stone. Um, that's totally up to the broker and the, the mortgage company whether they want to consider that income or not. Right. And, 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 you know, that's the, um, the lady that I was speaking to. I mean, and so far I've only spoken to the one mortgage broker, uh, and she's trying to tell me it's an industry wide thing. And, you know, uh, I've talked, I've, I've spoken to you about my credit before, like rebuilding my credit. And um, so I, I, before I went and, and spoke to a whole bunch of mortgage brokers and have each one of them run my credit and see my tax stuff, I kind of wanted to speak to you because I, I know that, you know, like at some point in the last, you know, you know, decade, you probably, you know, come across this many, many times. And, and as we get back into accounting full time, we will probably go out and do it again. I'll go find a couple mortgage brokers so that, you know, we'll have a resource for our clients. She's not incorrect. It is pretty industry wide. It is kind of a standard that they take that out. We've tried to, okay. we, we went to the brokers and said, look, you know, in the trucking industry, Per diem is such a a different animal. Here's why: it, it many other industries, per diem is truly an additional pay. So, the, for example, right. maybe somebody is uh, in sales; they travel a lot; they're on a commission, um, and then occasionally when they travel, they, the company pays them for their meals. Well, it's above and beyond what they normally make. In the trucking industry, they take how much they want you to make and they back the per diem into it. So it is really a part of your pay. And, and we try to convince, and, and we have had mortgage brokers who will work with that. So you just got to go, you know, don't talk to enough of them. Don't let them run your credit until you get an assurance that they will use that as part of your income. I'm all out of time. I've got to get out of here. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rothbard.